LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical, gospel-centered ministry tip every week. Now, again, we are without Derek, so for all his fans, uh, there's a few of you out there. Uh, apologies, but today we do have uh, Scott Curtis, the campus director at Lake Mac from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle, which is about three hours north of Sydney if you're trying to locate it on a map in Australia. Uh, Scott also, though, is the ministry pastor, so he's responsible for sort of leadership development at Hunter Bible Church. Scott, that's a big, big, big you know, introduction. Welcome to The One Thing. Thanks, mate. Now you've been here. Uh, you've been on the one thing before. Uh, I, we've got to have a COVID question. It, it's in the context. How yeah. are you surviving COVID? Uh, I'm uh, missing people and missing physical contact. Uh, so I'm a huge extrovert, and I I have been drained because of the Zoom meetings and just the the fake relationships the <laughs> fake rela- you heard it they're fake relationships zoom is oh, not it's real they're pseudo then like it doesn't it's like it's like sugar for your diet right it can fill you up but it's just not as fulfilling oh that's beautiful i like that yeah. metaphor well the one thing is brought to you with thanks to geneva push the australian church planning network we do like sugars in our coffees so we're happy <laughs> to have a sugar filled coffee we're also part of the lifeway leadership podcast network we'd encourage you to check out the network page on itunes and you'll see a whole bunch of excellent podcasts that'll help you with your ministry but for now you've pressed play on another episode of the one thing restart your church's teams now scott i want to i want to kick off by asking you know do you really need a, a ministry point person do you really need someone in the church to actually take responsibility for ministry and for recruiting and lead, leadership development and other things and i want you to think into a small church as well does a small church really need a you no nah. <laughs> I, I think uh, we're, we're all called to serve and so ensuring that we uphold that purpose in a church is important. There's advantages in having a point person though. Um, so my role, uh, the advantage we have in thinking through is ha- having that kind of overview of all of our ministry teams at church, helping people connect with ministry teams, helping people develop in leadership, um, thinking about uh, are we doing the right ministries, should we be... Uh, not doing as many ministries, should we be starting new ministries, those kind of things. So there's, um, we're first and foremost pastors and shepherds of God's flock and then I get to spend a bit of time just thinking about the whole of church and how, we, how we're being coordinated together in terms of our ministries. So you might not need to employ someone, but you still need to, have, you know, you still need to spend time thinking about this uh, you know, purpose area. You need, still need to be intentional about this ministry area. Totally. So, so thinking about the theology of ministry and service, mm. what are your kind of go-to Bible passages? Uh, passages in and around um, kind of our response to God's salvation. So um, Ephesians 2.10, where we're recreated new creations for uh, God's work that he's prepared for us in advance to do. Um, Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, where to be living sacrifices um, Hebrews 13 kind of has that similar idea that we're to, to sacri- be uh, sacrificing praise upwardly to God and loving loving others outwardly as well in response to the sacrifice Jesus has shown us. And so just part of our identity is that we're saved to serve. Um, 
Save to serve. That's really helpful. So like, just note those those people listening, note those passages, save to serve. But but actually, they, those passages are really important as you're leading ministry teams, you know, just to be pulling them out as you're doing a training session, pulling them out as you're doing ministry, you know, on, on the road, so to speak, sort of mm. Deuteronomy 6 style. Pull out, here's, here's our motivation. Here's why we do this. Yeah. I think, and beyond those passages, then um, particularly thinking about the church and who we are as God's people. So Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Just the the image of that we're a, a body um, united in Christ. We belong to one another. And yet uh, God, as part of his grace to us, has gifted us and is growing us to be able to serve each other for the common good and serve as part of his mission. So that body analogy is really important. Is, is that all, it, Does that help push into, uh, I guess, a theology of teams and a theology of teams ministry as well? Yeah, yeah. So you're you're seeing a togetherness, a one another, um, something we probably undervalue in our Western culture, where we've got a high um, in individualism. Um, the Bible presents we're first and foremost united to Christ, but part of our union with Christ is that we're united to one another as a family, as a body. Um, but the body helps in thinking that we also have that purpose and that function um, to be serving. I kind of feel like teams teams doesn't come naturally just ordinarily you know there, there's a sense well to most people there's a sense that it's it's far easier if I just get it you know get it done myself or if, if I just work on this by myself you know my my gut instinct is you know to to not go hmm who can I delegate this to or who can I bring in and, and make a better decision around this it's you know here's a problem go and solve it straight away yeah it's easier it's uh, if I go and do the ministry myself uh, I can do it the way I want to do it. I know uh, how I want to do it, what I want to do. I've, maybe I've done it before. Um, there could be motives going on. So sinful motives might just be pride. I want to be the one who's good at it. Hmm. Um, so there's lots of reasons that we fail often to hand over ministry or encourage others into service. But um, again, our theology is where the priesthood of all believers uh, it's everyone's church and we need to be thinking about how we're encouraging everyone to be jumping in and serving Jesus. So so Paul in his letters, you, you get that concept of fellow workers, uh, yeah. you know, and he, he's always signing off, uh, you know, we've just been working for Philippians in church, so Timothy Epaphroditus get a massive, you know, yep. massive shout out, yep. you know, near death, I was still thinking of you, you know, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of thinking, oh, they're, that's they're a pretty tough call. that he holds up. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking they're yeah. on the re- he's on the respirator, you know, <laughs> dying, he's thinking, I've just got to get that coat to Paul, you know, and make sure he's not cold. Paul speaks about uh, fellow workers, co-workers. Mm. He's really good, I think, at, at you know, raising up and, and talking about guys he ministers alongside with. Not to say that he didn't have his issues, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> with, with his workers as well. How, how do you create a, a, that, that culture uh, in church where you are valuing teams? Yeah, so to build a culture of teams, uh, preaching God's word, uh, as we go through God's word, we see we're in this together. Uh, and so that naturally lends itself to wanting to build teams to, to be able to um, serve Jesus together. So is that something, you know, you're, Greg's talking about what he's preaching on or the, whoever's preaching this week's talking about what they're preaching on. Are you as a ministry pastor going, oh, there's a really good angle here, you know, jump yeah. into this, you know, let's take a bigger side into teams and ministry? Yeah, so the, the way we're encouraged um, as we're thinking about our particular um, purposes of church um, as we look ahead in terms of our preaching program and stuff like that 
um, all of the pastors are thinking, okay, how does this speak into different areas of our ministry and what we're trying to encourage um, the flock in terms of who we want to be? Um, and so passages that come up in terms of that have uh, uh, natural applications for our service of Jesus or um, even leadership passages and things like that, I'm thinking into those going, okay, I'd love um, for us to kind of use this well um, and out of this, here's some things we're doing as a church that actually tie into what the preaching of God's Word. So preaching, what else? Um Having the the culture of calling people with us, um, so that's been a big part of our DNA. Greg Greg's kind of led us in uh, this idea of posse building. Um, so we want to invest in people, disciple them relationally, and a natural part of that will be that we call people to jump into ministry with us. Um, and so that kind of DNA is then spread out into our leaders. How, can I ask how big's a posse? Like you know, it's not a cricket team. But it's not a basketball. It's, it's as big a, as a basketball team. Yeah, is it twos know. or threes? I think it grows. Like it just, and it depends on your how how uh, how much energy you've got to keep investing in people and all those kind of things. But um, I think one of the big principles of the posse is that these are relationships that you'll invest in, even if you know we send them from church and stuff yeah. like that. So it's it's a kingdom thing, not a church thing. Yep. Um, so we've got a bit of a culture of that going in around church. But then there's uh, some systems uh, that we put in place as well in terms of wanting to call people into ministries, being clear about those and roles and um, so helping kind of cultivate uh, teams. Uh, and then our leaders, the big thing for them to get is uh, their role isn't to be the one necessarily doing all the ministry but handing it over to people drawing people into that so that uh, the ministry success is found in them, the team, not just... The yeah, so, you, so you, that, that requires development. You know, yep. you've got to help people coach yep. uh, and, and have some simple coaching models, but it also requires that value shift, doesn't it, where, you know, success is actually when others are doing the ministry yeah. and doing well, not when I'm doing the ministry well. Yeah, yeah. So I was chatting to a guy the other day in regards to evangelism, and he's like, I just love... So in COVID, he's been um, there's chat rooms where you can talk to people from across the world, and you just get signed up to a random person. So he's been going into these chat rooms, cold, wow, cold contact evangelism, um, and he's talking like I'm getting frustrated. I want to do more gospel ministry, more evangelism. Um, but he, when we talked about whether he would equip others to do that evangelism, he hated that idea. Hmm. And so he's someone who may never actually make that shift to actually leading others because he he just loves the cold contact thing so much and can't let go of it mm, and mm. spend time teaching others to do evangelism yeah okay scott i got a couple of objections yep. I, i'm already going to church on sunday i'm already part of a growth group and you want me to be part of a ministry team as well like that hey church is just taking too much of my time buddy yeah 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 no that's a it's a, a common objection um I think when we look at the scriptures, Jesus calls us to give uh, our whole lives to serving him. Um, and so we want to encourage our people. Now, serving Jesus isn't just being in a ministry team at church. We can serve Jesus in lots of ways, but we're convicted that we want to take up our cross and follow him and lose our lives um, for the sake of the gospel. And so um, preaching and encouraging our flock in that joyful sacrifice um, I think is a key thing, particularly in a culture where we are 
I have tendencies to be a consumer <laughs> and to sit back. I need to keep preaching that to myself that we're um, we're giving our whole lives to Jesus. And so, uh, as we preach God's word, I think that will pave the way for us to encourage people and to show people ways that they can serve Jesus. This is a double episode. So if you happen to miss the first part, be sure to have a listen. Scott Curtis discusses the practical side of teams. What are HBC actually doing to restart their teams in the next few months? So another objection, I'm part of a small church. I don't need, I don't need a whole team of people to do the AV. It's, you know, it is just setting up a yeah. mic in the morning. In fact, we just got to turn on the power switch and, it, and it's done. Why do I need a team? Yeah, it's, tr- it's true. Short-sighted though, I reckon. Um, so we're, we're thinking about the kingdom. We're thinking long-term. Our role is not just to preach the gospel, but to entrust the gospel uh, and to ensure that that happens to the ends of the earth, but not just to the ends of the earth, but for generations to come while we wait Jesus' return. Uh, and so those roles even though we don't need the person there are opportunities to be able to train and encourage people to serve jesus alongside us Uh, and so we want to have a mindset of who can we bring along with this and training up Um, one of the sayings we have on our uh, on our staff team and among our leaders is how can we do ourselves out of a job and that's the the idea of empowering others not not for you know just because we want to do something else or those kind of things but we want to be thinking about who can we be training, who can we be encouraging and raising up. That's good. That's really helpful. Now, I, I want to finish with sort of a final question. Uh, we've talked about uh, the now, where, how. So a simple mm. strategic planning tool, taking stock of, of where your ministry needs are now, mm. thinking about where you want to and, and having that sort of outcome of, uh, you know, a deliberateness of everybody serving in church, exercising their gifts and uh, and building up the body so that we can reach the lost in our, in our local community. Mm. How do you get there? Uh, is is I guess one of the biggest questions. Um, how would how what would say be some of the key questions you'd be encouraging people to be thinking through there? So Scott, let's push into the now. Mm. How do you assess how you're going currently? Yeah, so we've some of the ways we've been thinking about doing that have just been um, a current reality check of our flock every fortnight. We've been discussing uh, from our pastoral conversations and uh, looking at things like our attendance and engagement, um, how we think people are tracking at the moment. And so from those conversations, from kind of some of that, some of the metrics, we could say that church is pretty tired at the moment and thinking through kind of change management and the process people go through through change uh, that kind of transition that happens um, it's it's pretty standard that after change on change and still uncertainty into the future we'd, we'd have the, they call it like a saturation effect an ability to handle change mm. and so as we go to try and restart ministries uh, we're going to be trying to rev people up for something I don't think they're going to be heaps keen for uh, and that's where we've got to keep asking people to remember the gospel, remember who they are and to to take up their cross and follow Jesus. But also we need to be really pastorally sensitive, I think, to where people are at, to empathise with them. I mean, I'm, I'm not feeling heaps excited about restarting mm. ministries again, and um, but I'm convicted and we need to keep going back to the convictions um, that we have in the gospel. So that's a real, that's a real soft, you know, sort of subjective measure. You, you, in in yeah. some senses, you, you're sitting down with the team and, it, and it's as good as, 
as the as the pastoral team is actually connected with their people, you mm. know, with the people in the church. Mm. Um, you know, it's probably impacted by how they're feeling on you know on any one day. What are some harder measures that you know give you a sense of that? You know, you talked about attendance. Yep, yep. So attendance at church. What's our engagement be? Um, our attendance at small groups has also given us a feel for things. Yep. Um, how many people we've kept engaging in ministry teams through COVID. Um, so that's been one of the. The big things is we've had to shut down a whole heap of ministries. So in some senses, there's less people serving, but then there has been new ministries that people have been a part yeah. of. And the whole care and caring for one another ministries has, has really ramped up. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, we, our, particularly our Sunday ministries, kids, music, those kind of things stopped. So we, were, we had just over 70% of members serving pre-COVID. And then we started a few new ministries, um, some care kind of belonging connection and also some more emphasis on mission through this unique season um, and so we're able to keep 50% of church um, continuing to serve um, there's probably a few people in and around that would have still been eager to be on a team we just didn't have the ministries for them um, but ideally what's your goal is is 50% is 50%, 50 underperforming so to speak you know in regular sort of times or yeah, yeah. So we we be shooting for seventy five percent. Yeah, okay. Um, That's a stretch goal, just for listeners out there. Yeah, That's a yeah, big yeah. stretch goal. Yeah. Uh, I reckon fifty percent is pretty, pretty, pretty good in terms of regular serving. You know, which we'd say being part of a ministry team. Yeah. Uh, you know, giving up a sun, you know, Sunday a month to serve the body. So seventy five percent is a stretch goal. Uh, have you ta- would you would you encourage churches to take the time to do a ministry audit? You know, work out. Uh, yeah. Work out who's you know who's a team member. Work out who's a team leader. Ha- have you created that sort of specification in your in your database so you sort of can track how many team leaders, yep. uh, ministry area leaders you've got? Yeah. So we yeah we've created those layers within our ministry teams. Um, we use Elvanto, so um, all of our ministry departments and ministry roles are kind of assigned with that layer. So then we're able to see how many people we have at each layer and we're thinking about, okay, how many do we need? Yep. What's what's kind of the ideal we would have for these ministry teams that we're, we're wanting to restart? What's the minimum that we think? Um, and then we want to be calling people into ministry to try and... Is that an opportunity as well with that sort of audit to see if people are doing too much? You know, like it's yeah. kind of the 80-20 rule. There's always, you know, 20% of people doing 80% of the work. You know, yep. do you regularly sit down and go, hey, Scott, we need to have a conversation. You're doing too much pull back yeah 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 so we you have got people serving in multiple ministries um throughout COVID I think um one of the ministries where I think people have really we've seen people pour in a lot has been our small group leaders um and so if they're in multiple ministries we're, we're wanting to be thinking about okay is this sustainable as we move through change again and get going or can we remobilize people or change those things up a little bit but also not just for the individual roles but our ministries as a whole we're thinking about um, and have a couple of principles in terms of are we going to restart all of our ministries again things have changed we've got a few new things that we want to carry forward as we go through COVID Um, but to do that um, with our I guess human resources of people serving at church we need to be thoughtful that we're not just doing lots of ministries Um, and so we need to be mindful and potentially cut some if we need to and then finally just thinking into the leadership pipeline mm. uh, so thinking into do we have a pipeline of leaders uh, I think this opportunity this time has presented the opportunity for actually a whole bunch of new people who have been raised up because they you know perhaps didn't think they had the upfront gifts or 
you know, they didn't think they could teach the Bible as good as the growth group member they grew up with because they were fantastic. Yep. Uh, have you, you know, how do you how do you assess how you're going with the leadership pipeline? Yeah, so the first first step would be, um, I guess, taking an audit and going, okay, who have we been encouraged by throughout COVID? And we've definitely seen people uh, kind of rise to different roles um, with leadership gifting that weren't on our radar um, prior. Uh, and so the next step after identifying those people, as we think about the ministries they're going to go back to, we want to be thoughtful about um the ministries they're involved in, the training that we want to provide for those people um, and continuing to kind of encourage them, build them up, train them. Yep. So uh, I want to push into the toolbox. You're, you know, you're a, you're a massive reader. You like to read yeah. stuff. Uh, can you give us your sort of three sort of go-to leadership books and maybe, you know, maybe one we haven't heard or one that you're currently reading that you think's helpful? Uh, yeah, so one of, I reckon one of the, big leadership books that changed um, my thinking or helped my theology of leadership um, was a book by Timothy Lenick in the uh, New Studies in Biblical Theology series. Um, It's called Shepherds After My Own Heart. And through that, he tracks the biblical metaphor of shepherd and how it applies to leadership. Uh, I reckon that's a really helpful, weighty theological book to read on Christian leadership. Um, one book I'm reading at the moment is um, Leadership on the Line. Um, and book all about fishing? or <laughs> No, it's a, a book uh, kind of about uh, leading in crisis and leading through change. Uh, and there's some helpful concepts in there. It's, a, it's very um, political, so it's very, uh, you know, you've got to get ahead. It's a secular book, so, um, yeah, lots of anti-Christian <laughs> messaging in there. Yep. Um, but there's help, helpful concepts in terms of how you manage change. Um, thinking through to make effective change, you need to create stress in an environment, for example, um, and you've got to control the temperature of that environment. So you've either got to raise the temperature to increase the stress, um, but you can raise it so high that it's unproductive. And I think as I've read that, I've gone, actually, we're in an environment where COVID's actually created heaps of stress in our environment. We don't don't need to create anymore. We don't need to raise <laughs> the temperature, and so that that's going to change the way we lead through this. It's um, it's going to be very different to planting a church where you're getting people ex- excited and and like driving them like this is going to be amazing. Those kind of things, which is is good. We actually need to do a lot of empathising at the same time, though, mm. um, and and recognising people's anxieties, their frustrations, their tiredness, and those kind of things. But keep pushing them with the gospel. Now, it wouldn't be a toolbox if we didn't recommend Craig Hamilton's book. You know, wisdom in I leadership. I love wisdom and leadership. So let's massive <laughs> fan of, of Craig and uh, wisdom of leadership. Yeah. And any other any other any other books? Or are you happy you happy with that? Uh, I mean, John Cotter's leading change. Um, uh, his eight-step process is just really helpful to break down and, and think about that. Great. Excellent. So, Scott, what's your one thing on restarting teams? The one thing is to empower others. I think we're going to be tempted as we move through change to do the ministry and we need to keep remembering the priesthood of all believers we're saved to serve and so we want to keep handing over responsibility for God's church to his people under him. 
Great. Thanks, Scott. If you've liked what you've heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment just to rate the show on iTunes, uh, leave a comment, ask some questions. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.